Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. Overcoming temptation. Um, I've worked I've worked on this message, and, and I've got a lot of stories, I've got a lot of things, i got things I could say, but I'm going to, I really believe this is key. Uh, I am, I'm entering, entering into a season of obtaining 20 and 25 year old promises from God. You know, it's kind of like things you gave up on, things that you know he promised, um, I'm going to New York this week, and I'm going to actually work, physically work. He told me, I want you in New York. I want you to physically serve and work. And while you're there, and this, I'm, I'm asking kind of for prayer because I kind of want an encounter, I will give you your new mandate for New York. Okay, now this is, this is strategic for me because 25 years ago when God sent me in and out of New York, Here's what he said to me. As Western New York goes, so goes America. And I can give you all the historical stuff. A lot of the demonic activity that has been against the church, uh, the Jehovah Witness, the Mormons, the spiritualists, I can give you a list of about 14 different things that started in Western New York. And when you, you, you can take the sword of the Spirit and cut something at the very root of its beginning, then you can take it out. But the church has not been able to take it out because the root hasn't been dealt with. And God's about to chop the root, the beginning of the enemy, of what he started to destroy this nation. The prophet in me is about to arise again. Okay, the spirit of slap is coming on me. Which one do you want? You'd rather have a prophecy. <laughs> you know, we, we, this whole series about identity, I mean, I've taken some flack because people thought it was boring because I did PowerPoint. Thank you, Rodney. And, and other people, I went, have you heard him preach? Anyway, that was just, you know, that was brothers taking shot at each other. But I did it on PowerPoint. I did it on PowerPoint. I've done it on PowerPoint because this is line upon line foundational teaching that if we don't get it right, you're going to crash and crumble in the next season. The church will be non-existent if we don't figure out who we are in Christ. And you can quote all the scripture you want, but until you know it, it has no power. You know, the first part was dead to sin, the new operating system. The second was free from the law. And the go on uh, the warfare going on between the flesh and the spirit, our mystical union with Christ, living in the power of new creation, part one and part two. And today is overcoming temptation. This 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 reminded me years ago when I was I, mean, I had a I had battled as a child a, a major principality of fear in my life. So then all of a sudden I meet Jesus, and He tells me all these beautiful things. I'm going to heal your marriage. He didn't tell her that. He told me that. And I had to believe what he said when she was telling me, uh-uh, I don't like you. I'm getting out of here. I hate you. I don't want nothing to do with you. And I, God would say, well, what did I tell you? And I would battle the fear of who am I going to believe. As I was writing this, I... I was going to put it on it, but I just decided I'll tell you the story. I was coming back from Tampa, 1 o'clock in the morning, not knowing if my marriage was going to make it, having bombarded by a demonic spirit of fear. She's going to leave you. There's no way. This marriage is going to work. And, dude, it was torment. And I was being tempted to go do stupid stuff, 
to get revenge and do everything else. And I was driving. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. Highway 60. Ditches on both sides. Not a car in sight. I put my car in park in the middle of the road. And I got out of my car. I said, if you're God and you promised me this, you better help me with this temptation. Because I want to go mess up. Fear was tormenting me. And I sat on the hood of my car in the middle of the highway. Thank God no one was coming. And I heard God say this to me. Why don't you make fear an advantage instead of a disadvantage? I thought I was supposed to flee fear. I thought I was supposed to resist demonic. I thought... How do you make that an advantage? He says, if fear is the anointed of the enemy, if fear is, is the enemy's anointing, he's trying to steal something of truth. So why don't you let, when fear hits you, trigger you on what he's trying to steal and focus on that? He brought fear into you and this whole scenario in your life because I promised you to heal your marriage. You turned this thing into a negative and turned it into a positive. If the devil's lying to you, contrary to a promise of God, he's trying to get you to bite into his system of fear instead of God's system of faith. And that moment, I made fear a trigger to ask the question, what is he trying to get? What is he trying to steal from me? What am I missing that God promised me? And fear no longer tormented me. It became a, oh, he's trying to trick me. And you go back into faith. Listen, overcoming temptation is the same thing. This is serious. Today I want to look at temptation in the life of a believer. Before you can see how to deal with temptation, we have to remember who you really are. What is your identity? Since having been placed in Christ, who are you? When you answer that question, it will connect the dots on everything. There has been a new life deposited inside of you, and it is Christ Jesus himself coming to live inside of you. God's new address is you. Colossians says you have been translated, which means to pick something up physically and take it over and put it down somewhere else. You've been, you've been transformed. He's living on the inside of you. What you have been translated out of is the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. Since all of humanity was born into the wrong family, the first Adam's family, his history is now our history. We needed a second Adam to restart humanity. The last Adam who can set right what the first Adam brought to destruction. This last item, Adam can then take mankind into the intimacy with God that has been created to enjoy. Just as Adam was an individual, but also literally contained all of humankind within him, Jesus contains the new creation within himself. We have to understand who lives in us. He is the new man. Jesus started this human race all over again. There is a new mankind. It is as new as if God took a bunch of dust and breathed creation back into it again. I was taking that thought, and, and my little pea brain goes, that's why Benny Hinn used to blow on people. Whew. Some of you just need to be blowed on. Jesus was the last Adam who restarts, restarts a different kind of race, the new creation. All of humanity is part of one of two races. You're either in Adam with his sin nature and family resemblance. Quit wrestling your old man. 
it's not a part of you anymore. Or you're in Christ with his nature being conformed into his image and his likeness. When you became a Christian, you changed races. You left the Adam race and you joined the last Adam race. You changed from one mankind into the other mankind. You have the old man which springs out of Adam and the inherited his genealogical virus. Something like that. Genealogy. And you inherited his, his sin nature. If you're still in him, you're going to focus on his sin nature. Stop it. You have a new mankind that's springing out of the last Adam, who is Jesus. You were regenerated. You received a new spiritual DNA from Jesus and have gotten into his perfection, not yours. Maybe you've heard that there's an old man and a new man inside of you. I know I'm kind of repeating some things over the last few weeks. Remember the story of the old missionary who went to the Indian village and led the chief to Jesus, and he comes back a year later, and he says, Hey, chief, how's your Christian walk? And he says, Well, it's like I got two dogs living inside of me. They're just fighting all the time, a good dog and a bad dog. And so which one wins? It's the one I feed. That's a dumb story. There ain't no old dog. If you were buried with Jesus Christ... That dog's dead. Why are you feeding it? Why are you feeding it with the thoughts and the lies? If that's true, then you be, when to, then, then to become a believer is to become psycho, schizophrenic, psycho. I always used to say bipolar, but then that made all the bipolar people mad at me. To become a two-headed monster. I reworded that. There are not two people living on the inside of you. This is who you truly are. This is who you are. This isn't who you would like it to be. A little baby doesn't understand what it means to be fully human. That's okay. It will. The baby is still fully human, even though she does not understand who she actually is yet. That's a lot of Christians. You haven't figured it out who you are yet. And I'm telling you, there's some 25 and 30-year-old walking with Jesus 40 years, and they still battle their old sin nature because they keep feeding that dog. Please let that dog starve. Let it die off. And let Jesus Christ live within you. You may not understand all this, but you will. For Paul, the flesh primarily is described every part of you, your desire, your emotion, your thoughts, your actions. Everything that is not under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit is flesh. Our new nature was put into the same body that was used to living apart from God. Your flesh has old habits, ways of thinking, ways of responding. You have to be reframed, renewed, and put off. Your new nature has no desire to sin. Listen to me. Your new nature, the nature of Jesus Christ in you, has no desire to sin. But it doesn't mean that your body, your soul, your emotions and habits are totally renewed. That depends on the renewing of your mind. That's why you read your Bible. That's why you find out who Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And you go from, listen, you go from test to test. To testimony. The reason you now feel a desire or drawing towards sin is not because your old sin nature compels you to sin, but you still feel the effects of your old man where your mind has not been renewed. You have a false identity. These effects of the unrenewed mind are what Paul calls your flesh. Temptation is the strong call to return to the ways of my life before Christ. It is an appeal to my flesh, to my humanity, and to my physical appetites, to my natural reactions of my emotions and thinking. James 1, 14 and 15. 
But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. When desire, when then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth to death. James talks about desires, which is our natural human desires that are strongly drawn, drawn toward something in the world. James tells us it is not sin. It is only sin when the desire is conceived by moving from a reaction to a decision to deliberately pursue what is what is what it's calling. Temptation starts a long time before it starts. Did you hear me? This thing on temptation starts way before it starts. You remember the, the story of Lot, the nephew of, of, of Abraham. He entered, he ended up living in a wicked city. Let me see if I can get this to. Yeah, he, he entered into a, a wicked city. And here's what he says. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. This is what temptation does. It makes you pitch your tent towards something. Every day he got up in the morning and said, oh, that doesn't look so bad of a place to live. I know a lot of bad stuff goes on there, but looks like there's some good stuff too. Not bad, not bad. So he started moving closer and closer to Sodom until he moved in. This is what temptation does. Do not wait until the temptation is at full strength. But at the first thought, the first suggested whisper, be present to the Spirit of God within you. Years ago, I, we had a, a, a new puppy named Otis. And Otis, you know, started growing. But as a puppy, I would pick him up and I would put him in bed with me because I love my puppy. And Otis would need my help to get into the bed. Otis started growing. Then Otis learned to jump into bed. He didn't need my help to get in the bed. And I would have Otis come in, and Otis kept growing, and Otis kept growing. And one, one day after church, I took a Sunday afternoon Pentecostal nap, and Otis stretched and pushed me out of the bed. And I, I, hit, I hit the ground. I'm like, what the heck was that? And the Holy Spirit says, yep, just like sin, you brought it into your bed. You let it grow in your bed, and eventually it pushed you out of your bed. And that's what sin does. And, and you know what? We pitch our tent in those directions. That's how it all starts. This will set you free. It is not a sin to be tempted. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus felt all the temptations that we faced, but in all that he did, he did not sin. Someone says something to you that is unkind and unfair, just plain evil. It is not sin to experience a negative emotion reaction of being hurt. It's not sin to feel the anger or even want a little bit of revenge. It's not sin to have that, oh, no, she just didn't say that. Oh, no, they didn't just do that. But then you begin to pitch your tent there, and you begin to rehearse it, and you mull it over. Then you share with a couple friends. Can you believe she said that? Can you believe? And you've now, you have now entered because you have now conceived it. Anybody been there? Hmm. The desire has been conceived. Then it turns into sin. It wasn't sin for me to have the spirit of slap come on me for that reaction. I felt offended. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, 
the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. Say that. You are my beloved son. Who said it? Who did he say it to? Has he said that about you? Hello? So you got to understand the establishment. With you, I'm well pleased. Some people think they're sons, but God's not pleased with them. You got to put both of those together. You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Who led him to the wilderness? So God himself, who just said, you're my son, and I'm well pleased, let's go live for hell for a while. Let's be tempted. Let's be tested. Let's be tormented. And you think you're going to escape temptation? When you accepted Jesus, you signed up for that. Why? Because Jesus was still maturing into who God had called him to be, which was his son with a purpose to redeem mankind. But he has not been tested yet. You've got to turn your temptations into the proper, the proper positioning of if the Lord is allowing testing, he's trying to demonstrate how good he is in me. He's not setting you up for failure. He's setting you up for, for, for victory. Temptation is preparation. Good word. Listen, it's just like you using fear to trigger that he's trying to steal something that God promised you. If you're being tempted, he's trying to get you to understand who lives in you. To get you to understand you that, that the enemy has no power over you. It's time to rejoice when you're tempted. Instead of going, I... We have a malfunction. It's that technology thing again. All right, here we go. Such a feeling's coming over me There is wonder in most everything I see Not a cloud in the sky Got the sun in my eyes And I won't be surprised if it's a dream I'm on the top of the world This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end My only friend The end Of our elaborate plans The Here's one of the main points I want to bring out. Temptation is a gymnasium in which we acquire spiritual strength. So he was tempted. That rat was tempted with cheese. Right? God doesn't bring a temptation to kill you. He, he turned it into the gymnasium. If someone gave you a super suit that was protecting you from any harm, how would you know it worked unless you tested it? I'm 
I mean, I put on a bulletproof vest once and they told me it would protect me. I was too afraid to test it. <laughs> Be my luck. Oh, this was a bad batch. <laughs> but listen, once you've been shot and you got a bulletproof vest on, and, and trust me, my son was a, was a cop, you, they say things like, oh, it hurt. And you go, did it work? And then you go, yeah, it did. Thank you, Jesus, it did. But listen, things have to be tested. Things have to be tried. And we think we're, give your heart to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. You're crazy. That was a lie from the pit of hell. You need to give your heart to Jesus, but not everything's going to be all right. Temptation is God's chosen method to reveal Christ again and again and again in your life. You will have just you will have just revealed what was true all along. The only time God will lead you into a conflict is when He has already prepared you to win. Listen to me. He's already prepared you to win. He puts you in a conflict so you know it. This little red-headed kid named David. His brothers were mocking him. His brother's like, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing here? And he says something stupid like, who's, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Mocking the armies of God. See, he had killed a lion. He had killed a bear. He had, had passed some tests while tending sheep and protecting sheep. And so when... He asked a question. I love him. What does a man get that kills that rascal? Oh, you get tax-free, you get the king's daughter, you become royalty. I think I'm going to go kill him. Why? I've got confidence. I wear a suit of confidence. Why? Because I've passed these tests. This is just an uncircumcised giant. We need to embrace what we're being tempted with. And understand it's a stepping stone to be certified that we're a God carrier. The only time He leads you into a storm is because He has already given you the grace to bring an end to the storm. Conflicts were never allowed to humiliate, discourage, or to distract. They're only permitted when you have been equipped to win. Do you know why God will speak to you for a season, He'll give you revelation, and then He shuts up? Anybody experience that? Do you know why? Because he's going to be quiet because you're taking a test. And what did you do with what he taught you? What did you become as he was molding you in his image? And then if you wind up shrinking back from the test, everything you learned is worth nothing. I tried that Christianity stuff. It didn't work. Really? It was, it was Jesus. What was Jesus' first temptation and he ate nothing during those days and when they were ended he was hungry listen fasting will make you hungry the devil said to him if you are the son of god command these stones to become bread and jesus answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone what was the first temptation it was not turning the stone into bread who are you who are you was the first temptation what was the voice of heaven over him? You are my son, who I am well pleased. And the devil's temptation, the first temptation to Jesus was him, was right there. Are you really the son of God? If you really are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. The first temptation challenged him on the very thing God said about him. I'm telling you, most of your temptations... Come at the very thing God has said to you. It was the question, who was he? The attack on his identity. If you are the son of God, what did Jesus later say in Luke 3? You are my beloved son who I am well pleased. 
It was his first temptation. If you are the son of God, the reason the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted was Jesus could not go and be all that he was to be in the Gospels until he had been tempted and tested. God wants him to know with conviction his identity as a son. God doesn't tempt them. God doesn't tempt people, but he is in charge of the temptations. He keeps the devil on a, on, on, on a leash. And so if he allows the devil to tempt you, he's already given you the provision to win. In the book of, I believe it's the book of Judges, it talks about the children of Israel going through the uh, Jordan River, which is, represents salvation, going into the promised land. And he left giants in the land. Woohoo! I'm saved. Now I got giants. Thank you, Jesus. That's just really fun. I'm saved. I have eternal life with freaking giants. That's, you can look at it that way, but Scripture says it this way: He left giants in the land to teach Israel how to do war. God puts giants in your life to teach you how to win and kill giants. How to reap the reward of being a giant killer. <laughs> Least the land will be overgrown. And I'm telling you, our nation's becoming overgrown. Why? Because people aren't killing the giants. And there aren't people around that want the giants dead. They've made the giants their pets. Listen. Some of the testing I've been through just irritates the fire out of me. I told God, I said, you know, I have all these prophetic dreams. You could just give me a dream. I don't have to go through some of this crap. <laughs> I read the book. I'll get the story. But you know what? Until you have gutted it out, until you have faithed it out, until you have believed it out, you're not convinced. And God needs you convinced. Temptation is not a negative. Temptation is a wonderful positive. <laughs> Some of you look at me like, you're crazy. There is a plan and a purpose behind temptation. You're going to grow in temptation. <laughs> you're going to become who you're supposed to be because of a temptation. You will turn that mousetrap into an exercise machine. Temptation is the same word for trial in the original Greek. It simply means to discover what is in, in a person? Find out. You want to find out what's in somebody? Squeeze them. You'll find out if you got grape juice or not grape juice. Sounds sounds terrible to say. Bring it on, Jesus. You know, sometimes we get stupid with God. And I got stupid with God one time. I said, you know, I have a lot of years to make up because I didn't live for you for so long, and I want the fast track. He goes, oh, really? I didn't say I was a smart man. I was just committed. And being a committed Christian, we, we, we make dumb covenants. He says, oh, you want the fast track? Yes, sir, I do. Can you handle the fast track? I think I can. Good. Get your Bible out. Went to the scripture. It says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Cross that out. You're not supposed to change it. He goes, if you make it tougher, you can. Change it. Cross it out. He said, write this. Charles Layton Coker Jr., you obey or you will become the sacrifice. Oh, that's fast track. Oh, holy moly. And you find out real quick what's on the inside of you. You find, listen. Susie, we thought her mother was like a saint until she got tested and squeezed in her older years. And we realized she's full of fear. 
what are you full of? What, what testing and what trial did you shrink back from that would have got that out of you? It is a call to my flesh, this part of me, that would like to act as if it is independent from God and all by itself in charge. Temptation calls us to be who we are not. Temptation is called to act as if Jesus never truly took up residence. That means temptation is calling me to an unreality. It isn't real. I'm being being called to act in a way that isn't real. It's kind of like I've had snakes as pets. And about once a year they would shed skin. And it's interesting that in, in the cages I had a rock or, and, and I, I had a six foot two blue indigo, beautiful snake. But about once a year, this thing would start itching. It's up against this rock, this sharp object. And a piece of its skin would come off. A piece of itself would come off. But it kept doing it until it absolutely shed its skin. You know, there's some some of you Christians have an itch that God's trying to get some shed some of the old you off. But you won't actually itch the itch to find out what's up underneath it. And God God's trying to desnake some of us. Boy, this is a great message. I can feel your your love. Temptation is the itch that God allows in our life so we can choose to be who we are the new creation in Christ. So temptation comes with a two-pronged attack. Go ahead, do it. Yes, 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 yes. This belongs to you. Seeking meaning in life apart from God. That's what temptation is. You're trying to seek what you want apart from God. You tell yourself, I mustn't do this. I don't want to do this. The surest way to be defeated in any area of strong temptation is to feel shame for having the temptation or the thoughts. Not realizing it is not a sin to be tempted. Hear me. The biggest trick of the devil right now is for you to believe that being tempted is a sin. Jesus was tempted and never sinned. You can be tempted and not sin. But if the enemy has convinced you that being tempted, I shouldn't have these thoughts, I'm holy. You're an idiot. You're going to have those thoughts. But when those thoughts come, it should trigger the God in you. Not the fear and not the shame. See, you want to call me a heretic right now. There's, there's people that, oh, brother, I can't believe you had that thought. I can't believe it came out of my mouth, so you could accuse me of it. Mm, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Listen. Not realizing it is not a sin to be tempted and then to fight the temptation and try not to have those thoughts is a losing. You're losing. Try to fight temptation is the worst thing you can do. Some of us are shocked right now because you have had shame because of temptation. Was Jesus naked on the cross? Okay, that is the worst form of shame in the Jewish culture to expose your nakedness. So not only did he remove your sin out of your life, he took your shame also. That is part of the gospel. So when shame comes in, it's demonic. Shame comes in because he he tempts you, he gets you into shame about it, and I'm telling you, he drives you right down the road. If the call is to worry, he is your peace. The call is to impatience, he is your patience. If the call is to hatred and bitterness, 
He is your love and forgiveness. If you're tempted at Krispy Kreme, you're on your own and you need grace. Now, I had this thought. Where's my wife? Hi, baby. In the last two weeks, we've either been on the motorcycle or in my truck. This is confession. It's good for your soul. And we come through Daytona, right at Nova Road, there is a Krispy Kreme. Okay, now you got to understand something. They have this big red sign when they're hot right now. Do you, do you realize every time we've driven by that stupid thing, it's hot right now? Now, this is the Adam and Eve story. I've said to Susie, wow, the sign's on. Susie goes, oh, I can't stand him. I ate one, one, had so many. She has no temptation. But I have tried to convince her to go and sin with me <laughs> multiple times. Because if I can get agreement over Krispy Kreme, then I feel better that my temptation, because of her agreement, is not sin. Okay, but, but here, here's the issue. Susie sees that as no temptation. Because I have history with Krispy Kreme. I do. But I've lost 62 pounds. I'm trying to keep my sugar. And I'm telling you, it, it, it is a temptation. And, and if I could have just got her to try another one. But you, you get, yes, see, I'm not tempted to potato chips. She'd eat the whole bag. She needs grace. <laughs> yes, she did. She said, temptation is not overcome by willpower. Even if you are strong enough to say no to temptation, you have still failed the test. Listen to this. God did not allow the temptation to show the world the strength of your willpower. The temptation is meant to let Jesus Christ's life might live mightily through you. The believer never says no to temptation. The believer says yes to Jesus. When I looked at Krispy Kreme, when I tried to hook Susie into it, I knew because God has told me to not go back to the weight, not go back to the sugar, not go back to the things. And listen, I have been, I wrote all this in the last couple of days. I've actually been grateful because a year and a half ago, God said, get into physical shape, get your immune system right, take vitamins, get straight. And then all this COVID stuff hits. Listen, I'm grateful that God has protected me, but would he protect me if I didn't obey him? Some of us need a miracle because we've been absolutely disobedient and we've resisted to pass the temptation. To fight against temptation is to fight a shadow or an illusion. You turn to Christ in our life. Temptation is the opportunity for the Spirit to produce the life of Christ in you. You'll never know the fullness of the love of God until you're around some people that are humanly impossible to love. You know the ones with the OPD, obnoxious personality disorder. You discover the peace of God that passes human comprehension when you are in a situation where human flesh would be in a state of nail-biting anxiety. The joy of the Lord is best experienced in our circumstances that would naturally plunge us into despair. Paul had to learn that lesson that the power of God is best seen in our weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12.10 There's no temptation, no trial. There would be no need for the life of Christ to manifest in us. Did you hear that? We want to see, who wants to see the power of God? Ask for some temptations. 
see if you could drive by Krispy Kreme. I know Ron can't. He can't leave Bucky's either. <laughs> In order to raise someone from the dead, someone who must die first. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ can only be seen in a dead person. And we're afraid of people die around us because we're afraid to actually pray because we've never been tested. Listen, I, I, went, I was sent by an apostle to a corpse over here on Saxon. Okay, God. I laid my hand on this man. <laughs> they had called ahead and the funeral director brought him in. <laughs> Dude, it moved. And I'm thinking, oh, it scared me so much. If it was God, we were leaving. <laughs> I have never raised a dead person before, but I was trying. But that thing, and then I, I talked to the guy and he goes, well, yeah, they have air and they breathe. I'm like, <laughs> listen. Listen, we got to do some of this by faith. But that scared the living daylights out of me. Why would it scare the day when I was sent to raise him from the dead? I was man enough to show up, but I wasn't man enough to manifest. Don't laugh. We should not view temptation as an enemy, but as an opportunity to put on the life of Christ. This is why James said, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Susie was talking to her sister, Kathy, last night on the phone as I'm typing all this stuff up and get it there. I'm like, yeah, I don't like her. Never liked her ever since she used that on me. We were in the middle of a divorce and God was tearing us up and there was no hope. And I'm, I'm looking for anything spiritual because I had an encounter with God. And Kathy's on the phone and she says, I just, I just thank God for Susie leaving you. I said, what? She says, God said, give thanks in all things. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I like that scripture. I'm thinking, okay, I thought you were on my side that God was going to heal this bear. And she's going, thank God she left you. Listen, thank God she did leave me. Why? Because it, it put me in a place to deal with me. So when you, when you read that, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. When you say no, you're drawing on your willpower, concentrating on the energy of your flesh to refuse the temptation. You are mustering up all of your human ability to do something that is pleasing God. But that isn't the way the Christian life is. We say yes to Christ. Yes to Christ. Stop trying to whatever. Fill in the blank. Stop trying to stop gossiping. Stop being critical of others. Stop lying. Stop lusting. Stop abusing drugs or alcohol. And let Christ by the Spirit live through you. When temptation knocks at your door, don't get up and answer it. Tell Jesus to get it. Life is never a matter of trying to be good, but admitting you can never be good. Therefore, Christ in me, is the hope of glory. Christ in me. Let's let it do it. Faith is not collecting all your willpower into a mighty no. It is a recognition at the point of your weakness that even though you may not feel it, Christ is your strength. Let's say you're wrestling with a drug addiction and gossiping. And I, I, I love to put those two extremes because we think drug addiction and gossiping are at two levels. They're both sin. Right? They're both sin. So you go to a place that's doing drugs. You have to say, hey, Lord, uh, I need help here because this is my history. This is a temptation. And you let Christ emerge in you. Does it change whenever you get on the phone and you're going, hey, did you hear the newest thing about Rodney? What's the difference? It's the Christ in me that says, no, I know him. And challenge it. You're at a friend's house. Oh, yeah, I did all that. Realizing that you are, are a branch in a vine 
and His life is there for you. At that moment, you become who you really are in Christ. And that's more of that snake skin that's going to come off. Your mousetrap will become a bench press. And you will find that you will not just stop gossiping. He will give you the power to resist it. You'll have a passion to encourage people with your words. You will impart grace to people when you talk to them. You'll start finding freedom in every area of your life. And you won't have the desire to the things that just destroyed you. Now, what if you fail? It's a great message till reality hits. Let's say you said yes to temptation. What happens then? Know that God still loves you. No, God does not stop loving you for one nanosecond. That even when you leap into sin and you're leaped into the arms of God who loves you. Many believers think that now they're going to have to do penance for the next six months. You realize the Lord showed me my report card of maturity. In a, in a unique way. He said, you are definitely maturing as a Christian. And I can prove it. He says, when you've had that sin, it used to take you months to recover and think that I loved you and would use you again. Now you do it in hours. That's maturing in the love of God. It's asking for forgiveness. It's getting over the situation, knowing that you're still weak and you need to put some guards up. There's a story that years ago the preacher was preaching and my mom was, had had enough of this guy. And he would say, you know, we all sin. We sin every day. And mom stood up and goes, if you're sinning every day, you need to stop it. And just in the middle of church, I don't sin every day. I have the possibility to sin every day. You need to get saved. My dad's going, oh, God, not again. Seriously. If you sin every day, you need to go see Gary and Kathy and get a little more deliverance. I'm not saying you're not going to fall. I'm not saying you're not going to sin. But if you're just doing it every day, that's come on, that's my pet puppy. Let's go, let's go sin. We we gotta look for sin. No, you don't supposed to sin every day. And you know God will forgive you. If you fall into sin, you confess your sin. What does confession mean? It says it means to say the same thing as it means you agree with God on what God says about your sin. Don't justify yourself and don't blame shift and don't say it's that woman you gave me that won't go to Krispy Kreme. And the, problem, the problem is you said yes to sin. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 10. It says take every thought captive and bring it subjected to Jesus Christ. You don't want to sin? Bring every thought captive, every temptation captive. Under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, the Lord had me go confess every time I messed up for a while. Go, go confess, you know, go from confess, go confess. I'm like, I'm so tired of confessing. He goes, but you're not tired of sinning. See, it hurts your ego to go, hey, bro. You're my accountability partner. Let me give you some accounting. After a while, never mind. Your problem is that you were deceived into forgetting who you really are. Someone who is dearly loved and has Christ living inside of them, who can overcome and win in any situation. When you confess your sin, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses your sin. So I say the same thing about sin that God says. 
Yes, it is sin, but the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin, and you re I receive the gift of forgiveness. Even when I fall flat on my face in the mud, I'm still blowing bubbles enough to go, forgive me. What happens if you keep on falling in that area? We have a ministry on Monday night called Parking Lot. Some of you women need to start one called The Mall. I don't know. <laughs> Seek out a person of God and spill your heart to them. The Bible says confess your faults one to another. And actually, if you break the Greek down, confess your faults, it says confess your faults, sins, and weaknesses one to another so you can be healed. So you can, so you want to be healed? Drop your pride. Say, hey, Ron, will you walk me in this area? Will you, you notice those triggers? You notice when I'm leaning, putting camp up towards something? Oh, you don't want to get that close to where they can see you're doing that. <laughs> now we know why you're failing. Make sure it is not the town gossip either. There are times when you need to talk to someone who is, has Jesus with skin on. When, when I was walking through the early years, I had accountability. I had people. I had three guys in my life. And Susie wasn't sure that this was going to stick. And she could call those guys and say, hey, is Charlie communicating with you? Yeah. And it brought peace to her. Because when I quit communicating, I'm hiding. And people that never get brutally honest with you, do you really trust them? I love these preachers that never talk about their past, but they'll talk about your future. That was actually pretty good. The God who loves you with an everlasting love, who sent his son to pay for this, I declare to you that you are free. Your sins are forgiven. That's what you need a brother to say. John chapter 20, Jesus walks in to his disciples. And he breathes on them. What did he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. Then he said, whosoever sins you forgive will be forgiven. Whose ever sins you retain, they'll be retained. Why don't we trust someone enough to walk with us? And if we have an issue in our life, trust them to do that very thing. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a worthy manner of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. How many, how many want, to, want to grow in the image of Christ? Stand up. Say this after me. Temptation is my friend. Bring it on, Jesus. Because I know that you're a good father. And you won't give me a temptation that will destroy me. You will give me one that will challenge me to be molded in your image. And that's what I want to do. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.